Hi, I'm David. And I'm Shay. And you're listening to Board on the Air on CFCR, where we talk about board games and board game-related topics. On tonight's show, we'll be covering what we've been playing, or as I like to call it, what I've been playing, the news, and for our main topic, we're going to talk about print and play games. Yeah, just, I, I saw a few of these on BGG when I was looking up news. There was a, a few of them saying they were getting released, they were getting, you know, uh, played and stuff like that, and ones that are kind of similar. And so I thought let's talk about them because a lot of Kickstarters also tend to come with like you know a free digital download stuff like that. Some have for sure. Okay, let's start with what we've been playing. Uh, I got a couple of games played. Uh, one of them was Trajan. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one I played two weeks in a row. The first week I messed up a couple of rules, so we played it again the next week to play it right. Which is something we do around here too, because, but Trajan is one that I knew how to play. I just butchered a rule. Uh, this is a Stefan Feld Rondell movement, very point salady, uh, like mo- a lot of his games. Uh, probably one of my top three Felds so far. Uh, I go back and forth. There's a few that jump up there, like I do like Bruges, I do like Macau, uh, but. I usually come back to Bonfire, Castles of Burgundy, and Trajan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all very solid. But Trajan, there's a lot of stuff going on like most of his games. There's different areas you can go to like most of his games. And, and it's just a solid, solid play. Uh, we played it at four players twice. Uh, this is probably my fifth or sixth time playing this game. So I've played it a decent amount, I would say. And... The intricacies and the fun of this game just keeps getting better for me. This is one you did not like. No, I wasn't a big fan of Trajan. Yeah, which is, is, isn't is unsurprising. You don't do a lot of Rondell games that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, you pick up some, you pick up your discs, you play them out, whatever you finish on, you do that action. Uh, there's six different colored discs. And there's some uh, Trajan tiles which get uh, you can pick up from one of the areas, and they go out. And so you're trying to match up those colored discs with that Trajan tile because each Trajan tile has two colored di- colors on it. And if they match, you get that, which is going to give you a special ability, usually some points, and just a way to further your game a bit. Uh, you're, there's also a Senate area where you're trying to get votes, and every time you go to the Senate area, you get victory points as well. And the more times you go there, the more victory points you get. Uh, The other stuff you're doing is you are building buildings. You're going out doing the military track. uh, You're delivering goods through the shipping track where there's three boats that you can deliver to. And then there's one where you're just picking up tiles, which give you a whole bunch of different abilities, like being able to do some actions twice. uh, Some of the goods that you're going to have to use to pay at the end of each round. And just some special abilities. Uh, game is played over four eras. And each era you go around the timing track four times. And that timing track moves based on how many discs you've moved. So sometimes you're moving at one or two. Sometimes you're moving at seven or eight. All right? Right. Depending on how it all, all piles up. And it's a really neat timing track. Uh, once you go past it, the first time you're going to pick a disc. And it's going to say... You, the, you have to pay the government or whoever you're paying, either bread, fire, or wine, I think. 
and so you do that three times and then you have the fourth round to go around and then once you pass it the fourth time then you have to pay those things if you can't the first time you lose four points the second time you lose nine and the third one or the third good that you can't pay is i think 16 points or 15 oh, wow. points yeah it's very punishing if you no can't kidding. give those goods uh, some of those Trajan tiles gives you a constant one of each of those or of those goods, so it helps pay for those. Uh, where you usually get messed up is when you flip over tiles and it's like two of the same one or sometimes three of the same one. Right. Uh, really, really neat game. A lot going on, and I just gave a very quick, brief overview, which was probably pretty poor for those that you haven't played it. Uh, <laughs> if you like Feld, you should like this game because it. It, it, there's a lot of classic Feld mechanics in here. Okay, the other one I played uh, as a two-player game was Great Western Trail Argentina. Oh yeah, did you just get this one? This one I got as part of my Christmas bonus from nice. work. Uh, it is the second Great Western Trail. Yep. Uh, they announced the, a trilogy. Uh, the last one, I think, goes to New Zealand or Australia or something, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, and they they did new art for the original game, uh, added a single player, and then they brought out the second one. Uh, first one took forever to get to North America, mm -hmm. and this one came right after the first one. So I don't know what happened with the first one, but I haven't picked it up because the expansion isn't out for it. And to me, no matter what Ryan Rao says... You can't play Great Western Trail without the expansion. You need it, right? And that's the only way I will play that game now. Uh, so this one adds a few different mechanics. Uh, the game in general feels the same. So you're moving, you're up to three spaces off the start. Whatever building you finish on is going to give you some actions to do. And you're collecting cows and trying to get a whole bunch of different cows for when you get to the final area area which in this one is Buenos Aires and is it Buenos Aires? You said Argentina right? Yeah that's not Buenos Aires it's I forget where it is. <laughs> you're getting somewhere and then you're shipping those cows to Europe. Uh, depending on how many cows you're shipping you need to pay grain with them to keep them alive. Right. So there's an extra resource in there that you're trying to collect. Uh, we found that money was a little tighter in this one uh, grain was a little tighter and your scores or like the, the cows that you were collecting, at least for me, weren't as large as what they got to be in Great Western Trail. Uh, Jordan got in the two player game. It's very different because there's a lot less workers out there mm -hmm. and there's four different types of workers than this one. Uh, and he kept stealing all the cowboys. So I couldn't really buy a lot of cows, uh, <laughs> And it's tight that way, where if you don't get to them first in this, you're not getting them. Uh, but I got all the engineers so I could move my train around a lot faster. Uh, in this one, the obstacles where there were teepees and uh, like rock slides and sun in the original Great Western Trail, these are all farmers. And these farmers, you, if you go buy them, you're going to pay money as well, like you did in the original. And the money goes above them. And when you stop on one, you have the ability, you still have to pay it, but you have the ability to help that farmer out and you need a strength and your cows have strengths. There's strengths you can get on the board and your workers, some of them have a strength. 
Uh, if you meet that strength, you can take that that obstacle off the board or that farmer off the board. And then you have two options. You can put them onto your worker board and that costs usually six to eight money. Or you just put it beside for two victory points at the end of the game. Uh, it It's very great Western Trail-like. I'm, I, I'm not shocked. Yeah, but there are enough differences in this one that there is room for both games in our collection for sure uh, i'm looking forward to playing this one a lot more uh i play great western trail a, a lot mm-hmm. for, for a heavy game i've played it probably 15 20 times which is a lot for me uh this is my first play on this one uh once more we butchered a rule <laughs> which allowed both of us to take advantage of it a little bit jordan a little bit more than i did uh, but he played a much better game than I did and won. Cool. Uh, yeah, looking forward to playing this. When I picked it up from Amazing, Jeff was like, you've got to bring this Wednesday nights because he loves Great Western Trail. Uh, so this will get played probably in the next couple of weeks again. Uh, and I want to play with your mom because she really likes Great Western Trail as well. Cool. Okay, that's what I played. Uh, I got some good stuff coming up to play. I got uh, Lacrimosa, First Rat, Rebellion... Uh, we're playing Pixie Queen tomorrow night. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to playing that again. It's been a long time. And let's get to the news. All right. So news today. We've got a few options. Um, a few options a few for options news. few options for news. Yeah. <laughs> a few things. A few items. Um, first one you're going to love. There is a company, a television company, slash movie production company, that is putting up the rights to turn Terraforming Mars into a screen adaptation. Okay. Yep. Um, They are thinking like a TV show, but they said it could be a movie as well. Um, But yeah, that's, that's, it's the, the, the company's called Cobalt Knight and they were started by two video game uh, creators. Okay. Uh, and they started this company, and yeah, basically they're uh, they're looking at the rights for it, or well, they're they're op- they're optioning the rights. Yeah. So it's not being turned into a show, but yeah. the rights are up to turn it into a show. Yeah. Th- this has been done in movies, right? There's been multiple movies where they terraform Mars. Yeah. And yeah. start living there, right? Uh. I've started to like Terraforming Mars. Initially, it was not something I played, but when I got to the right player count with it, it makes it a much better game, right? And the right player count is two, and at most <laughs> I thought you three. said three. Three works at, pretty at well. At most at three. Oh, okay. But two works really, really well, especially if you add Prelude in where you get the game going a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. Okay, next. Next one. Oh, shoot. One second. My screen closed. Okay. This one's more interesting for me. Are you familiar with the board game uh, Diplomacy? Yes. Perfect. I'm not. But researchers have apparently created an AI that plays Diplomacy very well. Okay. Like, can get, like, double the score that human players can get. Um, and I think the reason they find this interesting is that Diplomacy has a lot to do with communicating with other players. Like, intent and stuff like that. And that's why the AI is kind of interesting here. Because it's not just a decision-making, right? Like, it's not a regular AI that you get in games. Um, it's actually, like, making decisions and communicating. Yeah, diplomacy is all about pushing people out with the backing of other people. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, you could tell somebody, I'm going to go do this if you support me. And they, they could say, oh yeah, I'll support you. And then they don't and you get backed out. So having AI recognize that and making those decisions is interesting, mm -hmm. right? It's interesting. Uh, I do know that I think BGG said that um, whoever was doing the research, it was sponsored by Meta, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So who knows what it'll be used for, but it is a very interesting AI. And yeah. yeah, for those of you who know me in person, you know this already, but my area of study in school is actually human-computer interaction. So very interesting to me. Yeah, like there's a lot of board games where the computer is very good at. Mm -hmm. There's some that they're very bad at. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so this this is interesting because it, it is not a basic game. Yeah, right? anything that has to do with actual interaction between players, that gets much more complicated and much more interesting. Yeah. Um, Ravensburger, a few... Yeah, announcement from Ravensburger. In 2023, they are apparently relaunching Quest for Eldorado in German, but specifically they're... Releasing it with the Vincent Dutrait artwork. Yes. So apparently, um, I can't. I didn't write down the publisher of this game. I know. I know him too. Um, who created? Reiner Knizia. Knizia, yeah. So apparently, with this game, that's not a publisher. That's a designer. Sorry, designer. Um, apparently, with this game, Ravensburger, like he wanted to put it everywhere, yeah. and Ravensburger only did certain areas. So he worked with this artist to then basically self-publish it in other areas. And so now, Ravensburger is releasing a German version of it with this guy's artwork. Yeah, it looks interesting. Vincent Strait's art's beautiful. Like, uh, Treasure Plant or, uh, Treasure Island he did. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, it's very realistic. It's, it's very cool, right? Yeah, they haven't announced if they're doing an English version of this reprint. Yes, they have not. But there's a German version. Yep. Which is kind of cool. Uh, Amigo Games, A-M-I-G-O. Yep. Um, is releasing an English version of Abluxen, which is a Wolfgang Kramer game. Um, I'm guessing it was a German game. Now yep. they're doing an English version of it. It looks like a little roll and write, possibly. Um, and they're also doing a new version of Kramer's Take 5. Okay. Uh, I've never played either of those games. One Me of them I don't either. think was English. Yeah. Um, but I, I haven't played a lot of Kramer stuff. Yeah, like a couple. Yeah, like I think, uh, yeah, I think we have a couple, but not many. Yeah. A uh, game from Weird Draft Games. Like the name? Yeah, it's a great name. Actually, you'll love the next one even more. Um, but they are they are releasing or have released the retail version of Gift of Tulips, which was just kickstarted. Um, it's based in Amsterdam. Okay. Uh, or, well, the game is based in Amsterdam. Uh, that's the whole tulip thing. If you've been around there, they're big on their tulips. Um and basically, you are using cards to kind of grow tulips, build bouquets, and also, like, kind of nudge out other players, it sounds like. Okay. There wasn't a whole lot of information on it, but uh, what I thought was cool is it seems like it's mo it was mostly female um, designers and artists. Uh, so it looked kind of cool. It looks very pretty. Nice. And now for the next board game company name called How to Steam Broccoli. I love it. Right? They're a newer company, um, and they are kickstarting a game called Tether in February 2023. And the thing is, they didn't explain exactly how this game works, or they explained it, but I don't know what the goal is. 
But basically, you are you have cards in front of you with numbers on them, and you can rotate them to then change the sequence. So like forty seven would become seventy four. Um, and your goal, it sounds like, is to get numbers in order. Okay. Not sure how it works exactly, but I'm kind of interested. Seems like a smaller game. Sounds like Racco. Maybe. Um, <laughs> but also, I just love their name. And apparently, they've talked about this. Where the name comes from is because if you steam broccoli perfectly, it's delicious. But it's really easy to either get it like too mushy or not steamed enough. Yes. Um, so yeah, great name. Uh, Cosmos announced an English version of Polymori's Rustling Leaves, which is a roll and write. Okay. Um, Never heard of it. Yeah, me neither. But I guess it's because it's becoming an English version now. Yep. So, <laughs> uh, interesting game. I believe this was seen at one of the cons, uh, called Telecraft. This is a game from Oink Games, who we actually, I think I talked about a game from them a little while ago. Um along with Geo Games, and it looks really cool because you're building a 3D shape. So you have, like, I think specifically the Geo Games, they have uh, a way that they click the shapes into place. And how you do this is one person has a card, and then they're describing how to build that shape to other players, and those players build the shape, and then you basically judge it after that. And I just think it looks really fun. Cool. Uh, roll and write version of Takanoko has been announced for 2023. Um, and what's really interesting, so it's called Technicolor. You're not just rolling dice and then coloring stuff in. You're rolling colored pencils that have, like, basically grips on them that have symbols on them. So you roll the pencils, and then a person takes the pencil and colors in that symbol on their board, and then the next person takes a different pencil and colors in that symbol on their board. Okay. Um, so, yeah, very interesting way of doing a roll and write. This is with the panda that eats bamboo? Yeah, exactly. The one I was trying to think of last week, yep. but I couldn't. Um, and then lastly on my list, a uh, game right off of a uh, game I just, you know, finally got in and have been complaining about for about a year and a half. Uh, Everdell Jr. has been announced. Yeah. So this will play as young as six, they say, for, like, resource management, stuff like that. Um I'm interested. I mean, a lot of play a lot of games have done a junior version, especially the ones that are very popular. This game is a little complex, so it's interesting to see how they'll make it so that people as young as six can play it. Obviously, I'm not going to buy it. There's no reason to do that when I have everything else. And also, I sure hope that it's easier to get it than it was to get the big box. Yeah, I'm <laughs> curious. Uh there's been other ones like uh, Lil Scythe and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, and Carcassonne as a junior one. Carcassonne. Katan, Ticket to Ride. There's a lot yeah. of those ones that have it. But this one I came out at PAX U and looked interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Any uh, other ones you saw? So the City Collection. Oh, yeah. The first four games are back on Kickstarter. Really? They're trying to sell out the first print run is what they said. They didn't sell enough for the first print run? Well, they, that was before they screwed up the pricing. Well, it, it's the first four, so all of them. And they're still oh. very expensive. And shipping is still very, very expensive, expensive. Uh, which we've talked about. Yep. But it's not really the company's fault. Queen Games has butchered this collection oh, yeah. so badly that while I look forward to the ones coming... Unless it's a game I don't own, there is no way I am backing any of them. And, and the only reason I'm 
even looking at it is for Marrakesh because the reviews on Marrakesh have been very good. Uh, a lot of people say it's it's a classic Feld, but it's 95 pounds plus 35 pounds shipping. That's a little bit crazy. Uh, and I will not, uh, yeah, I, I'll wait for the retail. And if it doesn't come to retail, then it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. Uh, what else hit Kickstarter? There was uh, the two new expansions for First Light from Garfield Games, the Circadians. Uh, there's two of those coming January 10th. And that's the main stuff that I can remember from today. Okay, main topic, printed play games. Yes, and uh, for those of you just tuning in, we are Board on the Air on CFCR. Yes. Uh, so print play games... Initially, when you said, let's talk about print-and-play games, I was like, I've never played a print-and-play game. Yep. And then I started looking at what's print-and-play games, and apparently I have played print-and-play games. <laughs> uh, well, they're they're basically roll-and-writes. A lot of roll-and-writes. Yeah. Like, one of the more famous ones, I guess, would be uh, Jamie Stegmaier during COVID released Rolling Realms mm-hmm. uh, as a print-and-play, and he would play online with people. And then he printed it and produced it. And a lot of the more popular ones this has happened with. Uh, one of the ones that I make fun of regularly is Cards Against Humanity. Mm-hmm. Is a printed play. You can find all of the stuff, print it, and put it out. They just started producing it and making boatloads of money off of it. Yep. Uh, a lot of the werewolf, uh, that type of games, are printed plays. Uh, yep. Secret... Secret Hitler is the highest rated print and play game on BGG. And the interesting ones that I thought are the Scott Elms, the Tiny Epic Galaxies. Oh, there's, yeah. There's a few of those that you can go on BGG and get the official download versions. Yep. And the last one I'll mention is from Wingspan, uh, Elizabeth Hargraves, her little... 13 card game, Tussie Muscle, Mussy, Tussie Mussy, (laughs) is a printed play as well. Yeah, when I looked them up, um, so I was looking this up in class, don't tell my prof, Um, I I almost got overwhelmed because there were just so many. BGG has a list of printed play games that, well, more like a forum that you can add them to, and just the A to D category is like 205 games in it. And that's just the BGG ones. One thing I saw a lot of, um, on some of these were things like Arkham Horror scenarios, yeah. um, or, or maybe cards as well, uh, that are print and play. But also the thing that got me thinking about these, um, are games that, like there's been games that I kickstarted where a lot of them say, comes with a digital download for a print and play scenario or something like that, right? Yeah. I think, um, Dinosaur World might have had that. Uh, Artisans of Splendid Vale, I think, is also going to have that. Or at least they're going to have coloring pages, I think, that maybe you can download. Um, and the reason I wanted to talk about it is because I just want to know if it adds anything. Like, I guess, like, yeah, I just want to know if people really, like, if it adds, um value to a game if it's something that a lot of people are doing where they're printing off games and then playing them i i think there is a lot of 
you see it online. People talk about print plays, and there, and as you say, there's big forums dedicated to these where a lot of them are the Roland rights, mm -hmm. uh, the Cards Against Humanity, the one that uh, the Shut Up and Sit Down guys monikers. Yeah. They did the same thing, and as you say, in Kickstarter, there's people that or so, there's some things where once it funds. They send out a print-and-play version of it so you can play it before you get it in its deluxe edition or whatever yeah. edition you get. And I think those those are neat ideas. I can't see myself printing and playing any of those. No. I have printed off game helpers. Yeah. And I could see if there was a campaign game like Ardens of Splendid Vale that we really got into finished. Then there was another scenario I could print off. That makes a it's little bit of sense. It's not like DLC content, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's what some people are using it for. Yeah. I did find there are whole sites dedicated to print and play games. Um, including, and the thing that I saw on those, that put it also gets me in two minds. One, the very first one on there was a version of Gloomhaven. And I was like, this is concerning because it's not exactly Gloomhaven, but they actually have a notice on there that says, hey, thanks Isaac Chillers for Self-Affair Games for giving us permission to use Gloomhaven. So it's not Gloomhaven, but they were allowed to use their media, basically. However, when I see sites like that, my immediate thought is, is this officially licensed? Because they have a Spirit Island one on there, but the description for the game is the Spirit Island description. So I'm like, is this game officially licensed like it looks pretty legit but is there a chance of these games just basically getting their uh copyright art stolen yeah like and, like, and that that's the danger is yeah you know people using these for their own not that they're doing it for profit but it is taking away from yeah. the person that's built that game well and if it is basically a print and play version of that game that means somebody isn't buying a game right like obviously a print and play version of gloomhaven is not gloomhaven it's yeah. just inspired by. But if in in the case that certain games could just be printed off and played by themselves without needing to actually pay for them. Well, and there I have read forum posts about people pulling down digital images of games, printing them and playing them that way. And yeah. and, and I've heard I've seen people complain about not being able to find a good enough image to yeah. be able to do this. And it's like, you're a moron. Yeah. You're stealing this it's, game. It's like, if you're going to do it, don't advertise it. Yeah. But I've also seen, you know, success stories. Uh, somebody did a little scythe, right? They created this game based on scythe, but for kids. Jamie Stegmeier came across it online, read it. Printed it, played it, because he was not doing it for profit. He just sent it out for people to do. Contacted the guy. They worked together and designed yep. Lil Scythe and got printed. Yeah. Right? You know, so that's a good success story for the people that do stuff. Or yeah. That are, are writing stuff for games that aren't theirs. Yeah. Right? But those are the people that are up front. They're not trying to hide it. The people that are print and playing games that aren't print and play... That, that's where that line yeah, is Yeah, there's a very, lot of uh, area in there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just interesting because I've seen a lot of things that say print and play available. And I'm like, why would I do that? I'm buying the game. Yeah. Like, why? Why? I'm, I'm buying it. I got the game. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I don't want to waste paper and ink to print something off. Well, that's exactly it. And the other thing that just, I see is people creating solo player that's rules. That's fair. Yeah. Mod modifications of games. Yeah. 
and I've, you know, Norm's talked about printing those off and some of them are good, some of them aren't, uh, because he plays solo games. Yeah. I, I don't. No. <laughs> right? No. I, I, if I've tried, I just don't get into that. I prefer to play in a group and that's why I play board games. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. I'm beating that to death. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just interested. You know, if anybody does want to come to our Instagram and say, hey, I play print and play games, here's things I love about them, I'd love that. Because honestly, I've never played them, and I'm just really interested into whether people find value in them. For sure. I'm David. And I'm Shay. Talk to you next week. Have a good night.